Two weeks ago, we, we noticed from Matthew 5 um, and uh, that Jesus said we ought to love everyone and that no one is excluded from being loved. And, and um, we, we really noticed that that is quite a challenge to even love our enemies. And last week, Kilton took us further and deeper into this whole loving the unlovable that some of you have. Not some. All right, that's fine. Um, but we mostly talked about the fact that, that we need to love without limits. Remember that? We need to love without limits. And, and today, as I was preparing for this morning, I, I realized that we can't move on because I still want to just kind of pause on this love issue. But I realized that over the last couple of weeks, we mostly talked about the need that we have to love unconditionally. But we've actually not spoken about how to do that. And it's important to, to talk about the fact that Jesus says we need to love. And, and, and you need to obviously love your enemies, as in Matthew 5, verse 44, it says. But we cannot do something unreally, until we really know how to do it, isn't it? Um, and, and so this morning, I want to talk about this aspect of how to love well. How to love well. Because we need to love well. Amen? And, and we all battle to love well. Some of you. Um, you guys are amazing again. Just your, I mean, it's two weeks ago since I've last spoken here, but in the two weeks you've grown immensely. Uh, two weeks ago you were battling to love, but in the morning it seems like you've just leaped into an incredible realm of loving so well. Well done. Kilton, you did a phenomenal job then last week. Um, the point is that we all need to love well, and it's not so easy. The thing is this, is that if Jesus would expect us to love in this extraordinary well, way, loving well, and loving unconditionally, loving our enemies, if He expects this from us, then surely He would not expect something from us that we don't have the ability or cannot do. Do you hear that? I cannot expect something from someone that I have, I know that they have no idea how to do this. I mean, you can't expect a child of three years old to drive a car and say to them, there's a key. Go for it, my son. You're amazing. Love you so much. Here's a car keys. Go for it. Uh -uh, it's, it's not realistic, is it? If you are doing that, maybe you need to come talk to us. We can talk to you then, perhaps. But the point is, the reality is this. You cannot give something that you don't have. You cannot do something that you don't know how to do it. And so... The point that we're trying to make this morning is Jesus is saying love unlimited and love unconditionally. And we're saying, ah, I don't know if I can do that. I want to tell you this morning you can. Actually, none of us have an excuse. When we say that person is too difficult to love, we've stepped into the trap actually saying, God in me is not able to do something through me. Do you want to hear that again? Because whatever you say in your mind, I can't do, you've got to go back to what Scripture teaches you about the reality of who is in you and what He is enabling you to do. So we cannot truly love unconditionally unless we know how much we ourselves are loved unconditionally. So if you want to love well, 
And, and you've got to realize that you've got to give something. You've got to understand that you have something to give. Correct? And so you and I have the ability to love unconditionally because we are loved unconditionally. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with my ability. It starts with how I am loved. That enables me to love in the same way. We need to give from something we already have. So you don't have to go and find that love. It is within you. Again, no excuses. Each one of us have this incredible ability to love. And this is where the greatest problem is, I think. We don't know how much we are loved, how much love we have been given, and therefore we have no clue how to love and to live. We live in an ignorant kind of um, mindset where we, where we say, I, I don't know if I can. And, and I, sometimes we, we say, I don't know if I want to either. But God says, I want you to love well because you are being loved well. And I think a very simple example is found in children um, that grow up without love ever being expressed to them. We live in a, in a world where there's of, often the absence of love. And I don't know how many you have grown up, or you may have grown up, or uh, in what way you were loved. I just know that if you go and, and just look at the psychological effects of children who had become parents, or um, adults rather, you will find the signs of how they may have gone without being loved as children. Even as adults, you see that there's a deficiency factor um, seen in how they relate to others and to themselves that comes from, that stems from the absence of love. If you look at psychological reports and and, and analyses of this, they often see, say the following. The signs of not receiving love as a child are some of the following. There's a lack of trust. So people don't easily trust others. Now, I'm going to go into detail of this. There's a fear of failure. I feel incompetent because I was never loved, so I, I always fear that I will fail. There's a great sense of insecurity. People are very shy and antisocial. I'm not saying that everybody that's shy has grown up without love. That's not what I'm saying. It's just this is a possible sign or a symptom of growing up without love. Now, the another thing would be that, that they enter, they have toxic relationships. Every relationship almost that they enter, is, it just doesn't work. It's always a battle because they're desperate for attention and, and therefore they, they kind of have no boundaries when it comes to relationships. They just, anything will go. Whatever's available, I'm going to grab. And it becomes toxic. Depression and anxiety is often a fruit of having grown up without love. And emotional instability would be that. Now, this is not a, a, a doomed situation where if, if this is real in people's lives, then we say it's possible that you grew up without love, but it's not impossible to see that change. Because why? We have a Father in heaven that comes and He loves us. And He can easily restore what was stolen and what was absent in our past. So don't look at yourself if this is ever 
possibly evident in your life and say, woo that's me, I'm doomed. No, it's just we recognize that maybe something had gone wrong. And we don't condemn or criticize anybody of our past, our parents particularly, possibly. But we say there's a deficiency there, there's a lack there. And, and particularly in situations where there has been absent parents, we realize that this is often possible. I spoke to a gentleman the other day, and he, and, and he said to me that in South Africa at the moment, 60-odd percent of, of young boys grow up without a father present in their lives. That has the potential to lead to great deficiency into their future. You've got to understand that. Not because men are better than women. It's just that obviously it's great to have both parents. It's not always possible, and we understand that things go wrong, particularly death is one of the reasons why sons would grow up without a father or daughters. But what they found is that if that continues to not be addressed, then it leads to certain deficiencies into the future. And so what I'm saying is that if we then say to that adult at the age of 30 or 40 or 50, you've got to love well, but they've never been loved well, it's very difficult. And we cannot bring a parent into their lives at that age, obviously. It's perhaps too late and the parents aren't available, but we can bring... God into that person's life. And so wherever you may be this morning, my brother, my sister, if you notice that even some of these things that I just mentioned are evident in your lives, it's not the end of the world. It is a moment to stop and say, God, I recognize that this is not real in me. I cry out to you. I want to, I want to love well, but I need to know how to. And the how-to starts by allowing God to love you well. You've got to stop, and, and, and you've got to prepare for this. You're going to have homework after this morning. Ha. How's that, eh? You thought you are going to just come and sit here and keep your hands warm? And, you know? No, you've got homework. And, and, and you're going to report. No, you won't. Don't worry. You're going to have to take that to God. And, and that's why... Most of the work of our Sundays are not on the Sunday. I, I have the wonderful privilege to share with you from my heart, but really the, the outworking of this is in your hands where you take this home and into your private world and you go and work it through. And it's not wait for the next Sunday. And then next Sunday we're like, what did you say? What did you talk about last? I can't, have, I can't remember anything. I don't have a clue what we shared on. No, it's the outworking of this that is key for you. Because we want to see you grow and become the mature men and women that God wants you to be. So that you can not only know how to, but also love well. Okay? So be ready for this. So therefore I say this. The greatest revelation the world needs is this. It's to know the love of God. There's no greater revelation needed. And, and ladies and gentlemen, you spend a lot of money, you make a lot of effort, and you go to various places to grow in your knowledge of things. That's not wrong. But I want to challenge you, and I want to encourage you, and I want to strongly urge you to grow in this revelation and not just grow in knowledge of things. Because we think that the knowledge of things will take us places and give us hope into our lives, into our future, and give us identity. This is the greatest need that there is in this world. Because Jesus came to address this need. The greatest event in the history of humanity is when Jesus Christ came to earth. Why did He come? 
Because the world had a need to know that God loves them. And so your need, my need starts here. And you've got to spend time on this. It is your responsibility. It's not mine. Your homework, for instance, today, if we can jokingly refer to that again, is not to give feedback to any person. It is to come before the Lord and say, God, please speak to me about how much you love me. Because the revelation I have of that will determine the way I live. Because if this revelation is real, then the next thing is possible. Is that the greatest action needed in the world then is to love with this kind of love. But you see, we can't expect of people to give something that they don't have. Or they don't know they do have. And they live in ignorance and say, I can't love because I don't think I have love. But as a believer, you've got to get to the place where you are absolutely convinced that you are loved because that will make you love well. But if you live outside of the reality and the revelation of how much God loves you, you will always be inadequate to love well. So where we as a church often put pressure on people to love well, please forgive us. Because we actually need to start by saying to you, this is how well you are loved. This is how much the Father in heaven loves you. And as you grow in that revelation, because it's a, it's a journey. One of the most remarkable moments in my life ever, and this is probably one of those things that I'll never, ever forget. And it happened, if I quickly can just think of the year, it was in 19, 1987. Yeah, it was in 1987. I stood in, in an area of South Africa called the Northern Cape, and I stood on these sand dunes that just forever went on until the horizon. I just could see sand. And God said to me, you can't see the end of that, hey? I said, I can't, God. He says, it's how far my love stretches for you. And it became a revelation in my life that started transforming the way I think about myself. And I still need to remind myself constantly about that incredible revelation that God loves me. So that when I turn into the Bible, it is backed up by Scripture that says, this is the truth. That what I spoke to you that day is revealed through Scripture. And so from that premise, I stand on the solid foundation and I know that God loves me. And there are moments where I, where I feel the, uh, so different and I feel the opposite of that, but I've got to constantly bring myself back to this beautiful revelation that I am loved well. And therefore, I have no excuse not to love well too. But unless I have that revelation and grow in it and constantly are exposed to it, I will love you and fall short of how I should love you. I think John, the disciple of Jesus, knew something about love that I think we need to, we need to study and discover more. And let me illustrate it to you just with a little bit of maths. Is that okay? Throughout the first three Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we mostly hear about how we ought to love. 
that's where we got to when we started looking at Matthew 5. How Jesus through Matthew tells us how we ought to love. Very little actually in these Gospels are shared just because how they wrote the story of Jesus, of how we are loved. So most of their focus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, is about how we ought to love. And so there are stories in these, in these Gospels that, that refer to how God loves us. But it's not particularly said, this is how God loves you. Prodigal son is a particular story of how the father loves us unconditionally. But the word love does not appear that frequent in those three Gospels. Actual fact, in all three of them, the word love only appears 32 times. I counted it. <laughs> and only once does it refer to how God loves us. In, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 31, Jesus um, is talking to the rich, rich young ruler, and, and it says, and God loved him. He loved him, it says. Jesus loved this man as he spoke to him. The other moments where it talks about love is mostly about how we ought to love in those three Gospels. Then, but the book of John, the book of John is different. The book of John, we see that in one book, 32 times in three books, in one book, we find that the word love appears 57 times. 57 times does John talk about love. And of that 57, 34 times does it talk about how God loves you and me. And so where, where three books talk, talks about, talk about how God loves us once, John comes and he, 34 times, and he says, this is how you are loved. One of the most famous ones is, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so John, even, even when we read further, in 1 and 2 and 3 John, it's also written by the same John, the disciple of Jesus, we, we find that John, even there, talks about love. Those of you that have read those, those epistles, those letters, you would know that, man, it's full of the word love. In actual fact, 53 times in a very short space of time do we find the word love again. So how, how's this? In the whole New Testament, I say to you, I'm, I warned you about maths, eh? In the whole of the New Testament, about 220 times is the word love used. If you add just these two books, 1, 2, 3, John is 53, 57 in John itself, that's 110. That gives you 50% of the references about love is used by John in the entire New Testament. So guess what? You want to learn about love? It's obvious. It's obvious. You need to study what John has to say about love because clearly, clearly he wanted us to know something about love. Now what we do, unfortunately, we try to go and learn from the world what love is. I want to know what love is. There's that song, isn't it? <laughs> I want you to show me. I mean, please don't try to learn what love is from any other source but the God of love. Hey? Gee, that's a Tina Turner one, isn't it? <laughs> I wonder Tina got all wild there at the back just now. <laughs> the point is, we learn from 
the wrong sources, ladies and gentlemen. And hence, we don't know how to love, and we don't know how to love well, because we've not been exposed to someone who loves you and me well. We try to learn from others. And therefore, we'll, there will always be an inadequacy in how we love people. If we don't learn from the one who loves us well. John firstly saw this love because he spent time in close proximity with Jesus. We know that Bible refers to him as one of those that were very close to Jesus. He heard much about Jesus and the love relationship Jesus had with his own father. This letter that he wrote, um, or the book, is dated 60 to 70 years after Jesus and John were together. This is 70 years after Jesus had left, John starts to write. John, the book of John, the letters, one, two, three, John, and the book of Revelation. 60 to 70 years. Imagine the impact that the love of Christ had on his life that he could write. 50% of the references about love in the, Old, in the New Testament is done by John. 70 years after he had ex physically experienced it. It's incredible. And so he writes to them to encourage them. So I want to just take you to 1 John 3, verse 1. Is, as one particular reference that I want us to focus on just this morning in our time together still. Here it says the following. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. There's a beautiful song. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Doo -doo. We used to sing that a lot. But the key for me is not firstly the love part, but there's a very important word that in Greek is edete, which really is the word see. So John is saying to us, guys, I've, I've seen, and I'm paraphrasing hugely now, right? But John is really saying, guys, I've been exposed to love. I've sat next to him. I made my head lay on his bosom. I could see his love. I could sense his love. I experienced his love. And what I want you to do is see it too. And you're not going to be able to do what I went through, and this is 2,000 years later, but it's still relevant for us today to see. And what the word see really means, the idete Greek word, is to perceive, to notice, to discern, to discover. And he's saying our current status as children, because it says here, guys, if you know this kind of love, that's the kind of love that gives you identity because it says that we should be called children of God. So our identity as child, son, and daughter of God is related to the fact that we need to perceive this. We need to discern this. We need to discover this. That is absolute key for us in our journey with Jesus. And the question we ask is, am I currently seeing it? What do you see? about God's love for you? What have you seen of late? Where is your identity found? Is it in seeing what God says about you or what others see, say about you? Have you taken note of the fact that you indeed are loved, greatly loved by Him? 
The thing is that we are so often aware of the fact that we are not loved and not welcomed and not received and not accepted. <laughs> and we can often talk about that. We come out of a situation, you can't believe it what they just said to me. And we talk about that often, isn't it? We've got a cold shoulder. We were ignored. We were rejected. And that, and that starts to become so big in our lives that we talk about that often. But do you see, you see how much people perhaps don't love us, but do we see how much God loves us? Are you seeing that enough? Because you should. Because that enables you to love well. You need to, how well, to know how well you are loved in order for you to love well. But if we don't see it, if we don't perceive it, if we don't sit and consider it, we'll consider the opposite. And we'll consider where we do fail in our efforts to be loved and to be accepted and that was not good enough. And isn't it often true that the children grow up and they say, well, it's never good enough. My, my parents always said, particularly my dad would often say, hey, you've got to just try harder, buddy. You've got to do more. It's always something higher, something more, something better that I've got to achieve. And, and so when I come to God, it just feels like what I do is never good enough. But God doesn't love that way. And unless you see it, you will not know it. And unless you know it, you won't know how much you have to give. And so now we come and say, hey guys, you've got to love well, hey? but I'm empty inside. I don't have anything to give, I think. But again, knowledge fails, and I don't know what the truth of the word is, and so I always say there's nothing to give. If our aim is to love well, then we need to discover how well he loves us, firstly through intentional looking. Isn't it what Men are often attracted by what they see. I'm sure women are too when they see a beautiful dress and whatever. Uh, and so we are attracted by what we see. True? You see something, ah, ah, that's beautiful. Sometimes we know we shouldn't open a magazine or shouldn't open something because we know that something in there may be too attractional and, and too beautiful or too whatever to us, interested that it may interfere in what I shouldn't want and shouldn't want to pursue. And I'm not just talking sexual stuff. I'm talking about opening up a book about, oh, have you seen the latest? In South Africa, often, often, at the end of the year, Christmas time, and there's all these specials on because they know people get bonuses and there's extra money. Oh boy, every chain of shops or whatever they are, send out these massive catalogs and massive ads. They do it, deliver it by hand. Each home would get one. Each post box would get one because they want you to see the latest cell phone that's available or the, no, the laptop or the, whatever it may be. And you're like, oh, if I didn't see this, I wouldn't have been interested. And they know how it works. They know. Seeing, it draws people to it. And I just think the reality is that we don't see enough how much God loves us. We see too much other stuff. And I want to encourage you to take time over the next couple of days. I'm going to give you some verses to meditate on and read it a few times, actually. And maybe some of these you've read before. One of them we've just quoted. 
But I want you to go pray about it. Pray it through. Ask God to speak to you from it. Study it. Intently just look at them. And firstly, it comes from the pen of John. So here's a couple of verses from John's pen that I want to encourage you. Take time over the next couple of days. And it's not homework for that you do for me. It's homework so that you can know how well you are loved. And that will become part of who you know God is. And just, if you've read these before, read them again. Take time. And then as we, as we see what John says, I want you to see something else. I want you to see what Paul writes, too, about, about love. And what is available to us regarding love from these verses. And those are found in Romans 5, 2 Corinthians, and Ephesians. And, and I could have given you really plenty more. But you know what? I, and I particularly didn't want to go preach about it. Because there's such beauty in those verses that we can elaborately talk about. But what is important is that you allow God to speak to you. That your mindset are... Mindset is influenced by the truth. And the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want us to be able to love well. Scripture is very clear that we ought to love well. But you know what? We need to know how well we are loved first so that we can love well. And so my encouragement to you in closing is please, not just for this week, but please let it be an ambition of your heart to experience the greatest revelation that there is here on earth. And that, that revelation is that Father loves you. God in heaven loves you. And He cares about you deeply. And as you start living within that incredible revelation and truth, it enables you to love others too. I want to pray for you this morning. For... If there's, there's something stirring in your heart saying, yeah, I, I want to commit myself to, to see more, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for, the, for those of you that are here that are saying, I've never seen this actually. I've never really had a revelation of God's love for me. I don't actually know that He loves me. Well, you know what? The Word, if you don't have a Bible to go and read this, please speak to us. The greatest thing that you can ever see in life is not the seventh wonder of the world and, and the greatest city that there is with its beautiful skyline. No matter what physical beautiful thing there is, there's nothing more beautiful than seeing how much God loves us. And it's available right there. It's simply just asking. You don't need to travel anywhere. You don't need to go and do a COVID test or anything like that to go and see this. This is free, my friend. It's your call. It's your choice to want to see it. John said, I've seen. I've seen this. So why don't you go and see how beautiful the love is that God has for you as you consider the truth from Scripture. I want us to close. I want to ask you to close your eyes and just... Take a deep breath and just sit there and in this moment, allow God to stir your heart.
to see more. You see, these things, we, it's, a, it's a supernatural desire that comes within us. Because we have a physical or a fleshly desire to see a beautiful plant and a beautiful this and a beautiful that. And we'll drive and we'll try to make an effort to go and see that. This, this doesn't come with effort. This comes with desire. When I say, God, I want to see how you love me. And I want to grow in that. And so if you here this morning, you're saying, God, please help me to see more of how much I am loved and how you love me and how well you love me. Here I am. And in your own heart, just say, God, I want to see. Just express that to him. Say, Father, I want to see. And I know, Holy Spirit, that you will be so faithful that where people are saying, I want to see, I've never seen this perhaps before, that you will be the one that will come and show them and show us how much we really are loved. So that out of that, we can love well. Holy Spirit, I pray that people this morning will not only in this moment say, yes, I want to see more, but that they will go from here and go and sit and those verses and others, that they will sit and ponder, study, meditate, pray it through, ask you to show them how much they really are loved. So that, Father, where there's an emptiness in terms of not having received love, that you will fill it with your love, with the truth of how much they are loved. And that there, where there's any deficiency, Father, because of past experience and a, and a lack of having received love, that your love will come and fill those empty places. That we will rise up as men and women that know how much we are loved and love well in return. Father, I pray for that. Pray for your grace. I pray for your growth in this area. I pray for fruit in this area. Trust for this in Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen.